Welcome, welcome. You're now joining Session Conversation, The Vegas Scoop, Episode 8, where we'll be covering all the upcoming games for Week 12. Once again, sponsored by Rindo Powerboats Experience out here in Las Vegas, Nevada. I am OG Flowers, joined once again by The Lip Service and AJ Scoop. Thanks for joining us, folks. Fellas, how we all feeling? How's y'all week been? Let's give us a recap of last week. Uh, disaster, one and four for the Super Contest. Uh, had my big client lose 40000 on a bet and somehow still made money. So doing something right, feeling good heading into week 12, and uh, let's make some money. OG, what was your bet of the week? I want to say it was Seattle. Seattle. Wasn't it? Didn't they play Green yeah, Bay? Yeah, minus two and a half. You got the early number. You were one of the smart ones that got that. That was a nice winner for you. My best bet of the week was Indianapolis. That was an absolute easy winner. I also had the Giants to go 2-0, and then I was in a 1 o'clock game uh, early that I had Baltimore. They lost. Then I had Minnesota in the Sunday night game. They lost. Then I was between three teams with Arizona, Denver, and uh, Kansas City. And two of those three teams won, and I decided to take Arizona to go 2-3 and three on the, the week, the worst week I've had all season, to go to 33-18-4 uh, on the season. I moved from 34th to tied for 85th. Uh, I need to get moving here to stay in it. Let's get it going. Yeah, my best bet was Baltimore, one of your losses. Um, so let's try to bounce back. Exactly. All you can do is control your attitude. Let's move on. All right, moving on. We'll move on to Thanksgiving 2K18. We got three games, three division matchups, three games in a dome. Starting off, let's go to 9.30 uh, Pacific time game. Bears going to Detroit to face the Lions for the second time in less than two weeks. Both teams coming off victories. Bears 7-3 moved up in the division with a big win on Sunday Night Football. Lions now 4-6, got away with a close one against the Panthers. Bears are favored by three. How are we feeling, Scoop? This one's going to be interesting with Trubisky potentially out with a shoulder situation. Um, Labrum, I think they're calling it. And uh, anyone that watched preseason football knows that Chase Daniel is a professional quarterback. And with those weapons in Chicago, uh, don't be surprised if the Chicago offense actually looks a little bit more polished uh, with him under center than with Trubisky. We've seen, uh, you know, once again Sunday night on full display, just some poor decision-making from uh, the quarterback with only, I think, 34 career starts now since high school. So, you know, these mistakes, they make sense. He doesn't have a lot of experience at, uh, you know, the college or pro level. And a guy like Chase could potentially be an upgrade. So, interesting. But to me, this game's very interesting when you talk about the spot. So, Chicago coming off of a big emotional statement, primetime win. Now they have a quick turnaround for a Thursday. You know, the scheduling guys didn't do them much of a service with this one to play the Sunday night game and then here play the early Thursday game. You know, I expect a lot of, you know, defensive guys to not be quite at 100%, have that normal twitch. Detroit, on the other hand, great spot for them. Coming off of the uh, escape two-point conversion win over Carolina, this quick turnaround I think really favors Detroit. But, you know, as far as the matchup is concerned, we saw these teams play two weeks ago, and Chicago's pass rush was all up in Matt Stafford's face all day long, and the Chicago... Uh, pass rush is one of the best in football, as everyone well knows, with Khalil Mack. And his Detroit O-line, you know, last week against Carolina didn't get quite exposed because Carolina can't rush the passer. Well, these teams that can rush the passer have been giving Detroit fits. So matchup favors 
So the matchup favors Carolina. The matchup favors uh, Chicago. And the uh, spot favors Detroit. Now, 20 years ago, 1998 Thanksgiving Day, a young receiver by the name of Randy Moss introduced himself to the uh, public in a spectacular fashion. Well, I wouldn't be shocked if this Thursday a new young receiver by the name of Kenny Galladay, not quite to the same level Randy did, but you know the talent is there. And uh, you know if Detroit is going to hang in this game with a lot of bank, you know Golden Tate getting injured, I mean getting traded, and, and Marvin Jones being injured, a, a monster performance from Kenny Galladay, Kenny Galladay playing against his old hometown Chicago team uh, is the type of thing that could you know potentially um, give Detroit a victory in a game like this. Yeah, this game to me is going to be uh, dictated by injuries. Um, I think Kerryon Johnson's probably going to have to sit this game, and uh, he's been reliable from the running back position. They're going to need Theo Riddick to get involved in this game. They did uh, trade away, uh, or they, I'm sorry, they waived Abdullah uh, that you saw in the Sunday night game. Now he's playing for Minnesota. So the depth at running back for Detroit is going to be an issue. Uh, you did mention the fact that uh, Mitch Trubisky has shoulder problems. But you, you might be dead on with the fact that, that Chase Daniels may be one of the best, if not the best, backup in pro football. And uh, I think he could come in and move the football in this game. I'm, I'm concerned about Detroit's offensive line. I mean, like you mentioned before, Chicago dominated them. This game came out, I took three and a half on the Detroit, expecting the number to go down three. Um, some experts that I know that uh, have a lot of influence in the line, they took Chicago early on the Monday. So I was smart enough to just get off the game, eat some juice. But when the injury came out to Trubisky, I rebought back on four, and now it's moved down to three, and I can make a bunch of uh, probably 10, 15 cents on a dollar doing that. So I'm actually going to just have this this uh, hopefully line um, game land four. But as you mentioned before, I do think that it's a flat spot for Chicago. Um, like you said, it was uh, an all-in game versus Minnesota, and they, they took care of business. Um, all credit to them. Um, I agree with the fact that it, I did mention it could be a flat spot, but sometimes, you know, teams can, you know, go with the momentum moving forward, but now you're going to bring in a new quarterback and things may change a little bit in that regard. So uh, I'm not going to be playing this. Uh, it is a Thursday uh, Thanksgiving Day game, um, but I won't have any action on it. Yeah, some uh, key injuries to keep an eye on is Snacks Harrison has really helped his Detroit run defense. He's questionable. Darius Slay, the shutdown corner, he's questionable. Ziggy Ansah hasn't really played much in the last year and a half. He's questionable. So, you know, as always with the NFL, we'll see how the injury report cracks out and try to make good decisions on game day. Now, this is the Bears. This is only the Bears' second game on turf, and speed kills. Like, most of the Bears' playmakers um, come at the, you know, with very, very, very fast positions within, like, Cohen and Gabriel and um, not so much Howard, but. I think that they could take advantage of that. The Bears rank sixth in the league in uh, points forced. With well, Chicago's proven. Chicago's points. proven they're more trustworthy at this point, but they're going on the road here, and I don't know if the offense can be laying these kind of points. Now, even if even if Slay, like let's say Slay does play, I feel like the Bears will take advantage of just the little short runs, the little trick plays, the reverse plays, and uh, try to get you know Cohen, Gabriel, Burton involved, and in, you know not really put in the air as much, but. Like you said, Chase Daniel, one of the best backups. He's he's been in this Kansas City offense uh, with Nagy and them for the last few years, so he's very familiar with the offense. They say he should be able to do this with his eyes closed. Um, now, where the difference comes between the two, he'll be more ready to pass and be in the pocket and prepare for the whatever whatever comes at him. Trubisky kind of bails himself out a lot with his athleticism and running for first down. So, I'm I'm very curious to see how the offense flows with um you know with Chase. I think the market thinks that. Chase Daniels a, a downgrade, but like like I said, I think it's an upgrade. 
Um, with the guy like I think him. it's an upgrade with weapons. I don't yeah. think Chicago on the outside has all of the weapons. Yes, you've mentioned some of them, but I, I, I think, you know, in general, outside of Cohen, that that their their weapons are below, you know, ever, especially with the playoff teams. This so, is a this is a high variance game. Not not. Trubisky's a, been using his legs to pick up first downs. He's doing been doing intangible things. I know you're tough on him, Scoop, yeah. but he's been winning games. No, no, yeah, he's a great athlete. Um, you know, when when the game's coming easy. I mean, he's more than capable of winning, you know, eight, ten games in this league with that defense. Yeah. Uh, all right. Moving on, we have the six and four Washington Redskins matched up against the five and five Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Washington looking to improve to a four and one road record against Dallas. Um, who do you have in the NFC matchup, Lip? Well, in this game, this is going to be a teaser for me for Thanksgiving. This will be a play for me. I'm Washington's seven and a half point dog, by the way. Yeah, Dallas is favored by seven and a half. I'll be moving Dallas down. I'll be using them to win the game by uh, one, and I'll probably get one. Most of you will be able to lay one and a half, um, so they'll have to win the, the game by two, and that's the play. <clears throat> Washington is absolutely destroyed with injuries. I mean, look at their quarterback. I mean, their, their quarterback's leg was snapped in half last week. I mean, I hope he gets well. I mean, I'm glad that he's protected. Smart man to get the, the guaranteed money in that position. I mean, they have a, a backup quarterback that's coming in. You think that's, that's a career ender? For no, him? no, no. He'll no, be back. So. Yeah, yeah. He'll be back. It wasn't the, There wasn't any uh, ligament damages or anything like that. It's a, it's a compound fracture. It broke the skin, but he'll be okay. You know, coming back, you know, like I, now they had, they're bringing in um, McCoy to play quarterback. This has been a winner in college. This has been a, a prepared guy in the NFL. I don't think they're going to slip that much on offense, but they don't have the weapons to compete in this game on offense again. Again, the line is absolutely destroyed. The only reason that this game is I can't play this game is because Washington has a very good defense. So laying seven and a half points is is ridiculous. You just can't do that. But it's at home on Thursday on Thanksgiving that Dallas is very familiar with. They're playing well. Ezekiel Elliott is is jarted right up to the top running back 2-3 in the game again. And I'm not sure, but Travis Frederick for, for Dallas, the, the, the center may be back for this game, and he may be the best player on that team. I can't lay the points. Again, I, you know, there's three Thursday games. It's going to make it a tough card because I have to wait for injuries for late in the week. But 100% Dallas, a teaser down, will be a play for me. Yeah, Frederick likely to come back at some point in the season, but not in this game. Okay. Um, you know, <clears throat> this, one, this one's kind of just eerily – Weird in that Colt McCoy's done this before in a primetime situation on Monday Night Football at Dallas, comes in and uh, pulls off an upset. So he'll be looking to do something that he's already done before. Colt McCoy, a guy that, you know, had a very just unfortunate career, unfortunate guy in general, you know, national championship, opening series, fifth play of the game, gets hurt, doesn't get to play. Um, a guy that I think's talented, you know, sometimes in life it's just about breaks. And, you know, Colt McCoy, still at a relatively young age, Got a chance to go out in front of the entire world watching and prove that you know he's still a formidable quarterback. No, he's a good back. Can make good decisions and, and hit receivers that are open. You know, a guy like Jordan Reed should potentially see some target um, increase with a young guy that wants to look for the tight end. You know, Alex Smith for some reason just didn't want to throw it to Jordan Reed. So if if McCoy goes to a, a talented guy like Reed more often, that's that's a bonus for this Redskin offense. Um, I'm with you on the Dallas teaser. I also played Washington plus seven and a half. Um, hope it lands in the middle. I think this is going to be a uh, game where Dallas starts. You know, Dallas is in a momentum carryover spot. Two big wins here. Short week favorite. They control them. the division, even with Washington. You know, with the injuries. You know, having yeah. the lead. Dallas yeah, controls no. this division now. Dallas wins. They they take sole uh, possession of of the division. 
Um, you know, with these quick turnaround Thursday type games, the team that you know had th- you know that was joyous in the locker room after the game on Sunday, it's a big advantage for you know Washington loses a physical game close by two points. Dallas wins a physical close game by three. They so, lose a game by two points and they kick a field goal that comes up eight yards short. Yeah, I mean I, that that's a that's a tough yeah. one to figure. You yeah, were talking no. about Gruden coaching last week. Why would you kick a field goal from sixty three yards and he you know that comes up eight yards short? I mean, didn't know didn't know his kicker's length. You know, probably should have went for the Hail Mary. I don't I don't really know much about the uh, length of that Washington kicker. But from a spot perspective, this this does fa- favor Dallas. Um, I was happy about it. I middled the game and made a ton on it. But I just I I, I can't. Right, and I I was excited about the conclusion as well. Um, but yeah, so so Dallas in a momentum carryover spot. Washington, um, you know, it's how are they going to react after a quick loss? You know, offensive line still banged up. Is Dallas defensive line been banged up? But you know, as we've seen with Baltimore here in the last six weeks, these teams that aren't high-powered passing offenses in 2018, they have troubles covering spreads that are inflated. And this line is a little inflated with Dallas playing against a backup quarterback. And something sneaky in this game is. Uh, Rico Gathers, a very talented tight end that a lot of people in the fantasy community have been calling for here for a while. He might be getting his first start with uh, the starter Swaim out. So a guy like Rico could give this Dallas offense, you know, maybe that last little push to be very interesting here heading into the playoffs. But, um, you know, I think Dallas could, you know, win this game about 27-20. Yeah, and Dallas coming off for, uh, back-to-back wins for the first time this season. Uh, last three games have been looking good for Prescott. You guys – you guys think that he'll be able to come through in this game and keep the keep it keep it going, huh? Very possible. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a good matchup. Washington's banged up. You know, I I expect him to win the game. Prescott has a decent matchup here. I think that Dallas wins. All right, cool. So uh, for our night game on Thanksgiving, we have the nine and one New Orleans Saints, who are favored by thirteen, hosting the four and six Atlanta Falcons down in the Superdome. Who do you like or not like in this uh, NFC South battle scoop? You think the Falcons are done or what? So with Atlanta, this is uh, it's a kitchen sink game. I mean, this is it. You know, we're going to get you know an all-in performance. You know, you'd think. I don't really think there's much belief left in that locker room. Like I've stated a couple times, they've been through a lot the last two seasons. They had this eventual Super Bowl champions at the ropes and uh, let them off the hook both times. So, you know, this team's been through a lot. They're struggling 2-6 and six against the spread in their last eight. And, you know, when you got a team that doesn't quite believe – you know, it's tough to get a gauge on them. This New Orleans defense starting to play a little bit better. Eli Apple getting more comfortable in the system. Now you got two legit corners. You know, they got that Ohio State brotherhood going on in the secondary. It just seems like they're having a lot of fun playing together. And when you combine that with that Drew Brees offense that's playing at an efficiency level that the NFL's pretty much never seen, um, it's tough. But at the same time, you know, these teams played nine weeks ago and the spread was one and a half in favor of Atlanta. So, you know, we got a 14 and a half point adjustment in nine weeks. I think that could potentially be a little too much. This Atlanta offense still does have Julio Jones. That might be the most gifted athlete in the entire league offensively. And, you know, with him and, you know, Matt Ryan actually putting up numbers better than his 2016 MVP season, you know, you would think Atlanta should be able to score 24, 31 points in this game. Now, if New Orleans drops 50 after watching the Rams do it on Monday night, wouldn't be surprised at all. I played over 59.5 in this game. I think it eventually closes about 62. Um, you know, wouldn't be shocked if Atlanta's offense went into a shell and just kind of gave up in the second half. But at the same time, um, this is a high-variance game as far as how Atlanta will respond. But three of the last five Saints games have gone under. Three of the last four Falcons games have gone under. Um, you know, the, the 
the matchup within the game that will be probably the biggest differentiator. And what I jumped on the, the first time these two teams played is Kamara versus these linebackers for Atlanta. They've given up the most receptions to running backs for four straight seasons now. Deion Jones potentially could come back in this game. If he does, it would help, but I don't really think it matters. Kamara's Kamara, and Atlanta's defensive scheme is a matchup nightmare for defending running backs who can catch the ball. Now, the real key to this game is going to be whether or not Desmond Trufant and Robert Alford, the two starting corners for Atlanta play, both questionable. If they are out, I think the Saints score 50. So, look, the Saints have... um... Saints have covered eight eight straight, which eight is the, which is the longest stretch this season. They're tied with KC with eight and two record against the spread. And uh, I, I saw this: Matt Ryan is eight and twelve all time versus the Saints, three and seven in in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean it's a rivalry game, getting thirteen points. So, I mean if you're if you're laying thirteen here with New Orleans, um, I don't know what you're seeing, but you know they covered eight in a row for a reason. Well, here's the deal with New Orleans. All right, they have a quarterback that has 25 touchdowns and has one interception. He is the best player in football. Every play, every drive, every possession. He's the most focused player. They have the coach of the year in Sean Payton. He has been, this team is the most complete team in the game. Now, you mentioned 13. That is a ton of points. There's no question. If New Orleans comes out and plays the way they've been playing the last two months, it's not even close to enough points. All right, Atlanta's defense is susceptible to the pass. We've seen that. New Orleans can run and pass. And Atlanta, to me, offensively, in the last game they played against Dallas, should have put up more than I think it was 16 or 19 points in that game. That's just not enough. I mean, they come home, you expect them to get rolling after they get rolled in Cleveland. And now all of a sudden you just think they're just going to pop into a game and be competitive. I don't think so. The only reason I cannot make this card is for two reasons and two reasons only. It's a Thursday game. I need injuries for late in the week, or I would consider New Orleans. The other reason that I'm not going to lay it is 13 is a gigantic number, and Atlanta does have an offense, and they can always backdoor cover. But that's what every expert in the world last week that had Philadelphia Eagles against New Orleans was thinking, and we saw what happened in that game. Handicapping this type of season, you're either going to do it one of two ways. You're going to take good teams – and ride with them, or you're going to bet against teams that are not very good. So we have a combination of two in this game. New Orleans is the best team. They haven't been stopped on offense. Their defense has been playing fantastic. In Atlanta, I think that they may be on their way out and on their way out quickly, but I won't be playing it. Yeah, no, I think when you look at Atlanta last two weeks, Cleveland, they scored 16. Dallas, they scored 19. So... You know, that's going to be what this game comes down to. Can Atlanta get back to scoring 30 points? Can they convert in the red zone? Well, they're going to need to Um, score if you're on the over. Yeah. I mean, I'm not on the over. I know you are. I'm not saying it's a bad play. But you're going to need Atlanta to score in this game. You know, there's absolutely a chance that midway through the second quarter I start getting the the freeze vibes and play a live under. Well, I mean, if it's 21-3, to I mean, it's going to be, you know, know, you're going to have to be careful. Atlanta could quit in this game. You're going to have to be careful. All right, moving along, we'll uh, go ahead and cover Sunday's slate. We'll start off with two, three, two, three and seven teams in the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Buffalo Bills. Playing in Buffalo should be fairly reasonable weather, about 42 to 46 degrees for the game. Bills, uh, four, four and six against the spread, are getting three in this one. Scoop, how are we feeling? Yeah, two teams that have uh, been struggling uh, of late. Buffalo, one and three against the spread the last four. Jacksonville, one, five and two against the spread. Um, this Jacksonville team, they showed some life last week. They played their ass off on defense um, and their quarterback. And uh, 
you know, just their lack of explosiveness on offense let them down. And when that happens, you know, you start getting fingers pointed. You start getting frustration. Now you got a Florida team traveling up to Buffalo to take on a team that, you know, isn't isn't going to get too many people excited in Jacksonville in that locker room. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't even get off the bus. And we've seen what happens this season when teams don't get off the bus against the Buffalo Bills. Minnesota got waxed 27-3. Um, we saw Tennessee not get off the bus. They got beat in an ugly 13-12 game, and that's the one. That's the version that I think we see in this one. This under 37.5 in the modern 2018 NFL is kind of crazy, but guess what? There's a reason. I'll be shocked if this game gets to 30. You know, this is the type of game where you find an adjusted over-under at, like, 25, and you play an under, and you get, like, plus 400 or something like that because between Buffalo's offense and Jacksonville's offense against these two defenses, when you combine that with – just a lack of energy and care level. Um, you know, this is going to be an ugly one. I expect a lot of runs. I expect the clock to be ticking. And, uh, you know, I'm on a dead under. This Jacksonville team playing without their starting center, playing without their left tackle, four stringer at left tackle. Um, you know, like I touched on, their tight end, their pass catching running back, both on IR. This offense has issues. And, you know, something sneaky in this game is Marcel Darius, the, the run stopper from Jacksonville. This is a revenge game from him. He played in Buffalo, was a third overall pick, 2011. That was he, a bust. Yeah, he's banged up. So we'll see, you know, if he does play, he could potentially be fired up for this Jacksonville defense just to prove something uh, to his old team. But, yeah, he's got back issues, tricep issues. If he doesn't play, um, that help, that really favors Buffalo as far as the spread's concerned. Um, I, I'm – Probably going to bet Buffalo here on game day if I get a three and a half, but I'm definitely on the under. Well, you mentioned it's a payback game for Marcel Darius, and that might be fine, but it's a payback game for Doug Marone, the head coach. This is his Super Bowl. You know, he was he was let go, or he walked away from Buffalo, I'm sorry, with a winning record. They didn't want him back. It was a whole mess or whatever. So this is a very personal game for him, and I expect him to be uh, you know prepared and, and giving it all. And one thing that's making this Jacksonville defense that you mentioned that played very well against Pittsburgh last week, they have A.J. Bouye back. They have the best two cornerbacks in football on the same team. So Doug Marone, no question, this game does mean something to him. But does he have the leadership ability to get these players that thought they were going to contend for a Super Bowl that are sitting at 3-7 and Well, who do you think has a better team, Jacksonville or Buffalo? Jacksonville, but... Absolutely. Jacksonville has put up some points before yeah, the no. Pittsburgh game last week. It was a close to the vest. They had the lead. They, they took their foot off the gas a little offensively. Before that, they almost came back against the Colts. But, so, hey, so this is a revenge game. For, you know, the coaches aren't on the field. This Buffalo defense... I agree with you. That's this Buffalo the, defense could be fired up to against go against that, Maroon. Against so that well. banged-up offensive line that you mentioned yes. for Jacksonville. And this Buffalo defense is good. Yes, it is. And, and they're it, very good at home. You know, and, I, and you know this crowd's going to be hyped for this game. They, they, they laid an egg against Chicago, but other no, than that, they no, played. Holiday weekend. You know, the, oh, the, listen, the, the, the fans are going to be here in this the, game. The, this game's got 13-9 Buffalo written all over it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It may. I'm looking at it. We won't know what, what line they put on the game until tomorrow. It's either going to be 3-3.5. Three, three three, I think it's a big difference in this game. If I do play the game, it probably will be Buffalo, but I'm unsure at this point. I like the under in the game. The Bills uh, Bills have only scored 137 points through 10 games. Listen, I'm a Bills fan. I don't want to hear that garbage. The, I mean, look, the, the Rams, 389. You know, Josh Casey, Allen, Josh Allen's Casey's coming back. 404. Josh Allen's coming back in this game, too. And listen, the, you know. I hope not. I hope it's Barkley. It won't be. Josh Allen will be starting this game. 
and he's the best quarterback in the draft mm-hmm. over Baker Mayfield that you like, and he'll prove that in three to five year span. And I think that he's going to be the emotional factor in this game that they need because you want to talk about quitting. All right, the Buffalo Bills have had a, t- a player this year. Do you remember early in the season, Scoop? They had yeah, a player quit. That, yeah. You remember who that was? Vontae Davis. They have another player right now that is about ready to quit, and he's a free agent, Calvin Benjamin. This guy is coming out in the news. Yeah, he's well, talking about how fit, how he feels sorry for himself. And he's the worst receiver in the NFL. It, it, absolutely atrocious. And I thought, I thought <clears throat> like, it was kind of weird that Carolina gave him up. I see why. Well, he's had yeah. multiple knee surgeries. He can't run anymore. He's not yeah. the same type of player anymore. He's fat. He's got a bad attitude. Cam Newton almost beat him up during like, a preseason game. Look, I mean, he punked him. Jacksonville's still a top ten defense and points allowed, uh, and, and and yards allowed. Now I'll yeah. tell you the one the one thing that could potentially bunk what I was saying about Jaguars being lifeless in this game defensively or just in general <clears throat> is the fact that Ramsey talked all that shit in the in the. Oh, he did pre-season. talk about Josh Allen. So you know, Ramsey's <laughs> going to be like, "Hey, yo, defense, we, yeah, I, you know, I, we gotta we gotta I come out." I think Jacksonville's defense here plays well. I the, the offense. Well, it's not very hard to play well against play. Buffalo. No, it's not. But the offensive you know? line for Jacksonville may be too banged up I think in this the, game. I think Buffalo steals this game in the fourth because of Josh Take Allen's points, legs, then. not Take his arm. Points. Josh Allen's legs. Yeah. Maybe maybe a Josh Allen rushing prop in this game. It's a little Josh Allen, uh, Jalen Ramsey robbery going on too, uh, in the media. <clears throat> All right, let's see. Next, we head to Ohio where the Browns and Bengals battled out in Cincy. Bengals 5-5 five five overall. Their favorites giving up three against the 3-6-1 Cleveland team who came off, off an impressive win at home with Mayfield at a nice line, man. 17 for 20, 216 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Chubb with a big game as well. Lip, how do we feel about this? Well, <clears throat> I certainly have to see the injury report on this. Uh, it, it, this is going to be dictated by the defensive uh linebackers and Preston Brown, Nick Virgil, you know, all these types of players that you need to see on the field for Cincinnati, as well as A.J. Green. He was running last week, um, late in the week. Uh, Cincinnati played much better than I thought they would. They played very hard against Baltimore, was in that game the whole time. I lost money on that game. All that being said, Cleveland the week before played Atlanta. Didn't have it on my card. That was a mistake. Probably will not make that same mistake this week. I'm leaning Cleveland in this game. I think that they're coming around at the right time. Cincinnati's defense has been absolutely terrible the last month and a half or so outside of the Baltimore game, but you bring in a rushing quarterback for 27 carries, which I thought was ridiculous. I think Flacco and those guys would have beat Cincy by 17, and I think that RG3 would have won by 13. So I took Lamar Jackson, that is a below-average quarterback, and played him. But coming into this game, I do expect Cleveland – you know, with the new coaching regime, they're coming off of a, um, they had a, they're coming off a bye. Is that right, Scoop? Cleveland or no? They played Atlanta. Yeah, yeah Cleveland's Cleveland coming off a bye. Cleveland's coming off a bye. Exactly. I like that. Nick Chubb has has shown up that he's a workhorse in this offense. They have Duke Johnson that's getting more involved. They're getting healthy with Higgins. Uh, Najoku should get involved here. I expect uh, Landry to heal up a little bit more with the week's rest. He needed that. And I think Cleveland's the play. I think they win outright. I'm not sure if it'll be three, three and a half on the card, but pretty darn sure that Cleveland will be a play for me. Yeah, this one, uh, you know, first off, I'd say about 80% of the people that are betting on these games don't really do homework, don't really understand any handicapping variables, principles, concepts. And they'll look at the spread and they'll say a five and five team is only favored by three at home 
against a three six and one team that was own went on an zero and thirty one stretch. What, what what is this? I, I don't understand it. And they're gonna bet Cincinnati because of that. And I'm gonna explain to you why the line is what it is. So the Cleveland Browns with Todd Haley running a very unimaginative offense, um, you know, dealt with some injury issues in the secondary, and you know Todd Haley is no longer there. Freddie Kitchens comes in. This guy's a Bruce Arians disciple and very smart man. Week one in his new system against KC, the offense showed some glimpses of kind of taking a, a stride to another level. But at the end of the day, it was their first game in the new system, and they're playing against, you know, they, they moved the ball up and down the field in that Kansas City defense. But, and, you know, the scoreboard didn't quite show, you know, their, their exact output. Well, then a week later, they play against Atlanta in a great spot in a game that I whiffed as well, had a little bit on it, but not nearly enough. And they showed that, you know, this Nick Chubb is a real deal running back. They're starting to give him more touches. Duke Johnson finally involved in the passing game. Um, you know, Higgins is back from injury. Landry, you know, the, the offense just seems a lot happier. I mean, anyone that watched Hard Knocks knows this Hugh Jackson was an energy sucker. He was, he's just a bad he's person. An e- he's got a big ego. He's just a bad person. I mean, like, you, you watch him and it's just like, ugh, like, what, what are you doing with your life? And... Now, you know, who who hires him? Oh, his old buddy Marvin Lewis setting up the Hugh Jackson revenge statement game. One of the best spots I've seen in a long time in the NFL. This Cleveland team is going to be, I mean, one of my favorite things to do is find a team who's kind of middling. They have a big win, heading into their bye week. Then they get two weeks to prepare. They hit practice hard every day for 14 days. Now they got Hugh Jackson's face up on the on the bulletin board, all the dumb shit he said over the last couple years. And now they get to come out and they get to take all their frustration out on their in-state rival in a depleted team that might not have A.J. Green, doesn't have Eifert, linebackers are depleted, Baker Mayfield's in another class than Andy Dalton, the system he's playing in is better. I mean, this Cleveland team, um, if I can, I'm just praying I see a three and a half, even if I don't, I'm on Cleveland money line, I'm on the spread, and uh, I think this is going to be the game where we get a changing of the guard for this Cleveland team, and we all find out that Baker Mayfield is in fact the real deal, and this Cleveland team is arrows up. All right, moving on. Um, let's go ahead and tackle uh, AFC matchup. Yeah, AFC East matchup where the first place Patriots sitting at 7-3 coming off a of bye week and a loss to the Titans before that. Uh, they're a guest in New York facing the Jets who are now 3-7 and seven as a team and 2-3 uh, and three at home. The Jets are getting 10.5 here. Uh, Liv, how we feeling? I think it's going to be around. I'm not sure yet. The card's not out. I think it's going to be closer to eight and a half, nine. Right now, the yeah, line's already at the nine and a half. Yeah, but the line's nine and a half. But this game for me is going to be a teaser if it dips down to eight and a half, and I'll use New England. I don't think that Sam Darnold's going to play in this game, and New England is going to benefit greatly from the bye week. You know, you have everybody talks about the injury with Gronk. And they've had a lot of problems with Sony Michelle as well. But another guy that's been running around that's been dinged up big time has been Wes Welker. And he's going he's gonna to benefit um, from getting healthy in this game as well, too. Um, the Jets have proven the last month that they are absolutely lost in a lot of aspects of the game. I told everybody two weeks ago to, to take the Jets and tease them down versus Buffalo. I don't think they ever walked into the stadium versus Buffalo. They were absolutely run over by the Bills in that game. So the Jets, to me, are somebody that you cannot trust. And a lot of times with me with handicapping, 
Um, for all you golfers out there, I, I'm a pretty good uh, golf handicapper myself. So a lot of times I look at um, a player that's mentally struggling, and I'll be betting against them. I think the Jets right now have no identity. You know, with all the wide receivers they have, they have a bunch of pieces that all seem like the same type of players to me. I really thought Todd Bowles had a good uh, firm grasp on this team about a month and a half ago. He's gone the wrong direction, and, you know, his, his – uh, job should be certainly uh, in question as well. New England is the, is the time now. They need to get moving. They need to probably run the table in order to get a, a bye week in the playoffs because I don't see them going to Pittsburgh and to um, With Kansas City losing on Monday night and owning the tiebreaker, this, this New England team's thinking about the number one seed. Well, that's true, field. too. That's true, too. Yeah. But but if they slip up a little if, bit more. If we, if we get this back down to eight and a half somehow, which we missed our teaser, teaser spot. but Well, it was never available. Right. It, it wasn't yeah. available, that, that number. But that, it is a cool. teaser spot, and I agree with you. Great that, teaser game at two and a half. You know, but they, but they you know, they want to go after the one spot, but, you know, they need to play better than they've been playing. They're, they're yeah. proven. I don't think that this offense, even healthy with – uh, Gronk at full speed with uh, Josh Gordon at full speed. I don't think this offense is as good as Kansas City's. I don't think it's as good as the Rams. It's I, more efficient. It's more maybe. It's more trustworthy than Kansas City's. In the playoffs, maybe yes. because you have somebody that's gone there and done that type of thing. But I don't think they can get up and down the field as much as they have in the past. And they have a defense that you know has has shown they can give up stuff too. So it's a lot of points in this game. New England's proven that they've been awful on the road, so you can't lay the nine and a half. It's a teaser for me only. Yeah, this game, you know, potential you teaser. You, you with touched the on it with New England, and the, and to me, the key variable to this handicap is the fact that New England very very rarely lays a dud back to back games, especially when they've had two weeks to prepare. You know, <clears> last time we saw the, the Patriots play was against Tennessee at Tennessee, a team that. You know, it was very fraudulent, to be honest. And, you know, they got beat up and down the field. They, they struggled to create separation. They, they made a Tennessee defense that just gave up 38 last week to Indy look like an elite unit. So, you know, this New England team, clearly a high-variance team. We've seen them struggle at Detroit, but you've at Jacksonville. Mentioned, you've they men- struggled on the road. You've right? mentioned before, though, with a lot of these points, these defenses off the bye week helps them. So it's, it just seems like a lot of points to be laying straight up yeah, here. No, I, this, this Jet team is just... They're banged up. They're not good to begin with, and they're banged up. They have they have issues on the offensive line. They have issues in the secondary. Secondary, they have trouble. I don't, you know, the injury reports. It's just a mystery right now at Tuesday night. Yeah. So it's we don't know who's going to play. But you know, if the Jets get a bunch of guys back defensively in that secondary that they spend some money on, Morris Claiborne, um, if if they they all play, um, you know, Tremaine Johnson, all of a sudden. You know, potentially the, the the Patriots offense continues to struggle a little bit, but I expect Josh Gordon to really understand the opportunity that's in front of him during these two weeks. I I hope for for his sake and for the Patriots' sake that he gets into game shape. Well, for his sake, he has to stay checked you know, he's in. He's playing for a he lot of money. Doesn't get any more chances. You know, he's got a chance to go out there and be the key piece to a Super Bowl offense. And if he did what he needed to do during these two weeks, and I'll be researching this here the next couple of days, if he got himself back into game shape. You know, there's just no one really – there's not many corners on the planet that can guard him one-on-one. So I do expect the New England offense to play a little bit better. But, you know, New England could be up 16 in the fourth. Um, Here comes you know, the back door. And then all of a sudden you get some back I'm, Obviously, I'm never in life touching a, a New England team that's 5-2 and two against the spread their last seven against the you – know, you know, on the road against a team who – you know, they've struggled at New York a lot over the years. And because of that, I think some old school um, handicappers that live on the, the principles of, of yesteryear will be on the Jets in this game because of that well, reason. Well, if it gets to 10, they will. Yeah, no. If, if you know, if the, if the old school cappers come in on the Jets, we might get our 8.5 for the teasers. 
But other than that, not I much. I think it'll drop. On, I think it'll drop on game day. I think you're right. Yeah. All right, moving on. We have the three and seven Giants going to Philly to take on the four and six Eagles. The G-Men are getting six in this division matchup. Scoop, how we feeling? Yeah, no, this one's interesting. I, I got a little metaphor for you. So, like, you know, there can be a guy. He's got twenty million in the bank, and then his life's, you know, just going downhill. He's got a, a bad spiral for a month, and you know, his outlook and you know where things are for his personal life or just just a disaster and he has this terrible perspective on life and although he's got 20 million in the bank you wouldn't think it if you were around him right and then there could be a guy that you know he's been broke for the last you know year and he just got a job and he got his first paycheck for 2000 and he's going through life with all this joy and and you know that's this game to me you know the Philadelphia Eagles are the guy with 20 million and the, and the New York Giants are the, the guy with 2000 because you look at these records you would think oh well you know the Eagles are in perfect position here to can, you know, kind of get back and control the NFC East. And, you know, they, they got a lot to hope for. You know, they're lucky that their division's down this season. They can get back to the playoffs. But that's just not the way I see it. I see a team that's kind of broken. Um, Carson Wentz is just having some confidence issues, some accuracy issues. That offensive line's not playing well. They got just punked last week by the Saints. And this New York Giant team, you know, Odell Beckham, you know, he said, we're going to rattle off eight in a row. And, you know, people laughed at him and thought it was crazy. And, you know, so far they've, they've, they've pulled off two of them. You know, I bet the Giants wins. are 60-1 to 1 to win the division this week. Don't hate it. Um, this Giant team, you know, if Eli Manning can get his shit together, you just look at weaponry in the NFL, you know, with Le'Veon Bell not coming back, you look at Barkley, Ingram, Shepard, and Odell, they're in a conversation for best in the NFL. And this 2018 passing league, I mean, if Eli can just keep things going here a little bit, um, you know, this team's dangerous. They're defensively starting to play a little bit better. Olivier Vernon back. Um, they're in a momentum carryover spot. Lots of hope and belief that they can get back into this thing. You know, they had all this promise going into the season, and things didn't start off well for them. But, you know, what have you done for me lately? They're, they, they're believing. They're playing well. And I expect the Giants to uh, play well again. Last season, you know, had this Eagle team beat, took a 61-yard field goal from Elliott to beat them. So, like, even when the Giants haven't been well, this is a rivalry game. You're getting six points. I do think the market could get a little cute here, and we might see a six-and-a-half, and, you know, I'll probably just bet more on it. I'm, I'm already on the Giants plus six. I think this line should be more like four, and I think the Giants can pull this upset out, uh, upset off outright. <clears throat> well, that's exactly what this number is going to close is four. So, you know, they may be, you know, manipulating or whatever you like to say early in the week on this, but I'm telling you right now, this number's coming down. There's no question. I've got a ton on plus six, a little bit less. I think I'd laid some plus six minus 04 and some plus six minus 110, all these other kind of numbers that are going to be worth value at the end of the week. Because if you look at these two teams and you're an expert, which we both are, the Giants are a better football team. Odell Beckham is not messing around anymore. He's not a kid anymore. He's got his contract. His image means a lot to him on and off the field. He's been professional throughout a losing thing here. Sure, it's been frustrating. But the last couple of weeks, they beat San Francisco in a good game. And they were trouncing Tampa Bay in this game, and their defense slipped up in the game. But their offense covered them. And Philadelphia's defense can't cover anything right now. They have the worst secondary possibly with Atlanta, Tampa Bay, and maybe even Cincinnati in yeah, pro football. Um, what what corner is going to guard Odell? They don't have anyone. Nobody. They don't have anybody back there. And it's not just Odell Beckham. You're talking about o- Shepard. I mean, you're o- talking o- about o- Ingram. You're talking about yeah, you no, know, Barkley. O- Odell's going to make Eli's life very easy on Sunday. The Giants are a better football team. The separation Odell's going to get on. The, I mean, when I went, when I bet, when I had my biggest bet last year was the over in the Super Bowl. And when I was handicapping that game, I was watching the NFC Championship on on the uh, All-22. 
And I just was sitting here watching Steph Diggs against these Philly corners, and I'm just in disbelief of how much separation he's getting. You see Minnesota lost that game 38-7. It was just like the receivers were open all day long. These giant receivers are going to continue to do it. Exactly. And you can't go base off of last year. Philadelphia is the worst team in the division right now with Washington. Dallas and the Giants are the only two real teams in this division. The Giants is the best team in the division. Their record probably is not going to allow them to get into the playoffs. I expect them to play well. I expect them to win this game outright. This game will be on my card, New York Giants. Yep, Eli Manning, cold-blooded boy, loves the loves the big stage. When the stage gets bigger, he gets better. And, you know, you know, there's not much margin for error here for the Giants, so I expect Eli to play at his highest level. Well, and you mentioned Carson Wentz is struggling. He's struggling for multiple reasons. You're bringing in Golden Tate. You know, this is a new, i got to get him on the same page. They have the worst running backs in pro football in Philadelphia. They can't pick up blitzes. They can't do things that they need, and they just can't compete, and they can't lay six against the Giants. Not Way a, too many. Now, to play the opposite of the coin, now how this could go wrong, the Giants struggle against the tight end. Zach Ertz is one of the best tight ends in the league. The best defensive player on the Eagles, Timmy Jernigan, defensive tackle. He'll be returning for this game. But at the end of the day, it's 2018. It's a passing league. And when you're Philly and your nickel package of your top five defensive backs, four of them are out, you're going to have issues. Can't overcome it. All right, as we proceed, let's go to Tampa, where the 3-7 and seven Bucks share the field with the 2-8 and eight San Francisco 49ers. Niners are getting three and a half on Sunday. Niners averaging 28 uh, and a half points with Mullins under center. Mullins had a 70% uh, completion percentage so far, 43 of 61. 256 uh, yards per game, four touchdowns to two interceptions. Bucks are playing musical quarterbacks again. Winston's coming back, uh, starting. So, Lip, how we feeling? Well, here's the uh, reality, okay? It's Thanksgiving weekend. Everybody loves their families, and everybody likes to, you know, get all fat and happy and do these types of things. Well, you have San Francisco that is way out on that West Coast that's going to have Thanksgiving and enjoy their time with their families, and they're not in the playoffs, and, you know, they're going to go down to Tampa Bay and play Sunday morning early against a team with James Winston, who's back at, at center, or excuse me, under center, at quarterback, and he should have been there the whole time. It's absolutely ridiculous. They... Dirk Cutter, I keep talking about this bum that still has a job. But I expect Tampa Bay to come out flying in this game. They don't have a secondary. San Francisco, to me, is not trustworthy um, to be able to, uh, you know, produce enough points in this game. And I expect Tampa Bay to be involved scoring in this game. I think O.J. Howard's going to be out. That's a little bit of a, uh, you know, a ding to Tampa Bay's offense. But, you know, Cameron Braid has always done very well with Jameis Winston behind center. So I expect him to pick up a little bit of the load there, too. I expect a little bit of energy from Tampa Bay in this spot. San Francisco, I don't think so. I'm not sure if it's three or three and a half on the card. I've laid three early in the week that I'll make money off of on that regard, selling or whatnot. If it's three on the card, Tampa Bay is a good chance of being on my card. Three and a half, I think I'll lay off of it. Yeah, so similar to the Cincinnati-Cleveland game, ask yourself a simple question. Why is a team who's 1-6-1 and one against the spread their last eight, 1-7 straight up, why are they giving more than a field goal in a game? Well, I'm going to tell you why. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, clearly um, much dangerous, higher-ceiling team with Jameis Winston. This is a guy that, you know, he's playing for, you know, I don't know, Playing for other million, teams to plan, look at, plan, too. Playing for his life. I mean, he's playing for his NFL career. This is a guy that won a national championship in college. When he's locked in, he's one of the 
10 best passing quarterbacks in the league. His decision-making is horrific. But sometimes in life, you have to be humbled over and over and over, and certain people just don't learn. He's one of those. But in this situation, he's going up against the San Francisco defense. And the question you got to ask yourself is, you know, how enthused will they be for this game? And, you know, I talked to you about this here past, you know, 36 hours. It's just the variable of Thanksgiving. And sometimes when we're handicapping these teams, you forget these are human beings as well that live life and, like, they don't just play football. So, Put yourself in the shoes of San Francisco. You're playing three primetime games, their last four games out. They score in all of them. They score against Green Bay, score against Oakland, score against the Giants. You know, the public's been watching this. Oh, this Mullins kid. I heard I heard some kid at the casino the other day make the case to me that Nick Mullins um, is going to uh, steal Jimmy Garoppolo's job in the same way that Kurt Warner <laughs> stole Trent Green's. That's funny. I mean, it was just like, wait, 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 what are we doing here with Nick Mullins? We're, we're, we're going that far? So it just shows that, like, People are kind of buying this Nick Mullins hype a little bit, and, and it's and it's quite comical. He's a backup quarterback that's solid. He's a Chase Daniel type of guy. Um, at best. And, and, and I'll take. And right now, if there was a matchup, you know, I'm giving me Chase Daniel just from experience, 100. percent But back to this game, you know, this this San Francisco team. So you, they you have know, Kittle, who's a good player. You know, San Francisco Kittle is a really good player for the Niners, for sure. I, and, and I'm on over 54 and a half. I expect there to be yeah, a lot so of points in this game. That. So the question is, how many will Tampa Bay score? And I think the answer is about 40. Now, San Francisco, you know, like I said, you played three of their last four games have been primetime games. You play well. You're fired up against the Giants. You get kind of robbed by the refs late on some pass interference calls. You know, thank you very much for that. And you know, all of a sudden now you have your bye week, two weeks off. You know, you know what, what are you excited about if you're San Francisco? You're playing for 2019. You're trying to get your top three draft pick, get Jimmy back, spend a bunch of money in free agency. Well, after your bye week, then you have your Thursday Thanksgiving on the West Coast. You fl- I don't know, maybe they celebrate in Florida, something I got to research here. Um, I would expect them with not really playing for much. They'll stay in San Fran for Thanksgiving and then fly out on Friday. And then you got the early 10 a.m. start playing in Florida against the Jameis Winston that's playing for his NFL career with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait. I mean, this Tampa Bay offense is dangerous. They are a dead-nut-over team. Their defense is the worst. It's the worst pass defense in the last 30 years. Their offense is absolutely loaded with skill position players, and I expect them to score about 40, give up about 30. And, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, three-and-a-half is the right side. I don't think it'll be a comfortable cover because of their defense. But, you know, at a certain point, you know, I don't like to bet on things that are just due. But when a team's 1-6-1 against the spread, you know, and I do think we'll get the benefit of the whistle in this game, Tampa Bay in a shootout. All right, next, let's move up to Charlotte, North Carolina, where the Carolina Panthers are three-point fa- home favorite against the Seattle Seahawks, who are 3-3 three three on the road. Carolina now 6-4. and four. Uh, Seattle now 5-5. Five and five. Last time these teams faced off, the Hawks blew the Panthers away 40-7. to That was back in 2016. Um, Lip, how, how are we feeling about this one? This is probably my second favorite game of the entire year. Okay? I liked Washington early in the season against Green Bay after they played multiple overtimes. And I'm telling you something. I love Carolina in this game. If the line's three on the card, I'm really hoping it is. It's an outstanding play playing Carolina this week. You look at Seattle, running team. You know, Russell Wilson, you know, they do a lot of run-pass option with him. Um, They're trying to keep the ball on the ground. They're trying to do, you know, move that way. And they've been successful versus uh, the Rams, other teams in, in doing so. They will not be able to do that against Carolina in this game. I expect Thomas Davis 
I expect Luke Keekley to take turns spying Russell Wilson, mixing up coverages on him, probably creating some turnovers. Carolina's uh, not at excellent at, at rushing the passer, um, but in this game, I don't think they're going to have to be. They can play a, pace, a base defense behind them, spy, do what they need to do, and be able to create um, you know some turnovers, I believe, in this game. And you want to talk about offensively in this game, I think Carolina is going to have an explosion in this game. You know, you look at uh, a lot of people around the league um, are pointing the finger in a way at uh, at Riverboat uh, Rivera for going for that uh, two-point conversion in that game. You know, I'm one of them that disagree with the call because, you know, with a 10-minute overtime with Carolina where they stand in the standings, a tie may be, you know, enormous down the line. So I didn't like it for that reason um, going at it. But the players have this guy's back. You know, I mean, Cam Newton's been playing some pretty good football um, up until, you know, a little bit of the Detroit game in Pittsburgh, they laid a little bit of an egg there too, but that was a Thursday night game, so I kind of write that one off. Um, but I expect Carolina to dominate this football game. I think in all aspects of the game, they're going to be there. I think they're going to be pumped up. Seattle, again, we were talking in the, you know, about the previous game with Tampa Bay. Seattle's coming all the way from the West Coast here, you know, holidays and this kind of stuff, and they're going all the way to Carolina, and they get to play early at 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. And you mentioned, you know, the fact that Seattle pounded them, but, you know, in the playoff game a few years ago, Carolina was up gigantic on them. And I think they're going to be up gigantic on them in this game. They're going to control this game, and you're going to be really ticked off if you're not on Carolina. Yeah, Seattle 4-1-1 against the spread. Last six games, Carolina 3-4, and four, coming off back-to-back losses. So clearly with the recency bias that the public has with that short memory, they will be probably 65 to 70% on Seattle in this game. Very confused why they're getting three and a half. And like you touched on with a couple points, Carolina is the right side. Now, Cam Newton, you know, as far as that two-point conversion, just to give you guys the breakdown of the math on it, you know, the math says two-point conversion is the right decision. League-wide, the average um, success rate for two-point conversion is 50%. In order for the kicking a field goal to mathematically be equal, then the extra point kickers would need to be making at 100% clip and it's more like 94.6. So with the math, um, it is better to go for a two-point conversion. Now, not with 50 seconds now left. My argument, You're absolutely wrong. Now, my argument, no, the, the math is You're math. Wrong. You can't argue with math. Now, With 50 now, seconds, if there's 30 now, seconds, a, I can agree. I'm You're a, wrong. I'm a, no, the math is the math. The feel, now I'm a feel guy, and the feel of the situation is this. You have the better team. You're playing against a team whose running back is banged up. And a, a tie in that situation for Carolina probably gets them in the playoffs. A loss is going to make them struggle down the stretch. It's a, take it's tie, a bad call by you. Take the tie out of the equation. If you go to overtime, I'm saying that if I was Ron Rivera, although the math says it's a slight edge to go for two, and the, the execution was perfect on the play, Cam Newton just completely missed the throw. And one thing I know about Cam Newton, to get back to this handicap, is this dude, you know, high ceiling, low floor, um, you know, type of dude that when he's at his best is, you know, one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. But when he's at his worst, he's one of the five worst quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think after missing that throw, we're going to see a Cam Missing Newton. that throw, why don't you talk about Devin Funches? Yeah, he had five, five drops. drops. You know, I mean, come on, yeah. let's not let's I, not I, place I, one play on Cam Newton in this game. It's I'm, the wrong. I didn't we, say that, we can agree to disagree with fifty I didn't seconds say left. That, you don't I didn't say the loss is on Cam. I'm saying I'm you I'm can't. I'm not. I'm lost right there. Yeah, the, the, the math says to go for two. The feel of the moment says to kick the extra point. So we're in agreement, but we're not. You, you just don't. That well, doesn't matter. Let's move it's on. It's over we're, with. Yeah. Cam Newton, 
to me, is going to be completely locked in for this game. Seattle dealing with the Thanksgiving, like you said, coming across the country, um, playing. You know, we've seen this. We've already seen this before. Very similar. I touched on with the Colt McCoy thing. We saw a playoff game where Seattle came to Carolina, was down 24 nothing at halftime. And, you know, when your body's used to a certain time clock and you're traveling across the country for 10 a.m., you know, the, the, that's, it's a little played out in today's world because it's built into the number. But this is a situation where I think it does matter. You know, Seattle, you know, their schedule it hasn't been very difficult in the last six weeks. They've been pulling out some wins. People think this Seattle team's a real contender. But when you're watching them, you know, they just they don't, you know, from a matchup perspective, to beat Carolina, you have to exploit them throwing to your tight end. Seattle no longer has a tight end. Um, you know, Doug Baldwin, you know, he can get a little separation, but, the, you know, these Seattle receivers are struggling to get separation. Um, Thomas Davis was suspended the first four weeks. He's back. He's getting back into playing shape with him and Keekley. And like you said, you just, you know, you play fundamentally sound defense. You play a spy. You make Seattle convert third downs. And you put them in a position where they got to do things offensively that they're just not very good at. And then as far as Carolina on offense, you know, and Carolina as a whole, this team has been completely different at home. I mean, way better at home. We've seen them play, you know, their best football at home this season. And after losing back-to-back games, you know, got punked by Pittsburgh on that Thursday night, you come back, you're lifeless on the road at Detroit. I think we get an energized Carolina team. I think we get a very lethargic Seattle team. And this time, Russ doesn't have the second-half comeback in him like he did in the playoff to make it interesting. I think Carolina rolls. Lib, this is your best bet, uh, one of your favorite bets of the year. I got a question for you. I was listening to Ron Rivera speak past couple of days, and he said that he – and his uh, staff had tried to model their team after the Seattle Seahawks 2016 teams and their great teams. Um, so, do you, I mean, do you think that has anything to factor into their preparation and kind of – because if they, if they want to build their team like them, they probably know their schemes and they follow them, like, to a T, you know. So do you yeah, think Yeah, no, a- I think Carolina does in a way. I think they keep the they keep it close to the vest. You know, they're not a – you know, they – you know, Seattle even through the Super Bowl runs and those types of things weren't the most explosive types of uh, – you know, teams in, in the league. And I think Carolina does kind of, uh, you know, mirror that in a way. But I look at this game in, you know, you know, we just mentioned the Thanksgiving and stuff like this. I absolutely love Carolina in this game. I, I am Seattle. I've been down on Seattle all year. You know, the Detroit game I was off, but I think we found out some things about Detroit there. I am not sold on Seattle at all. Carolina's run into a little bit of, you know, uh, you know, some sticky water here, but I think they're coming out of it. I, I like Carolina big time. What's funny about Rivera's comments is that Seattle team in 2011, the strength of their team was their secondary. The weakness of this Carolina team is their secondary. So, but I, I don't mean, think they're going to have to worry maybe, about it. Maybe game. he's talking about more from a, an offensive scheme perspective. Yeah. I don't really quite know where he was going with that. Yeah. But I know one thing. Well, run pass to, option. I know one I mean, thing. I know one thing to close this out. DJ Moore, the first round pick for Carolina, he's yeah. starting to become more. You know, a lot of these rookies, it takes them eight, nine games to get a little bit more comfortable in the NFL. Yep. This dude, after the catch, is as good as I've seen any rookie receiver in a while. And with him starting to get his confidence going, if Cam can just be accurate, like we've seen him here at home, um, you know, Carolina's going to have some success. I love Carolina. All right, moving on, we have the Baltimore Ravens and that defense. Uh, they're five, uh, five and five overall now. I'm ranked number one in points allowed, facing a two and eight dysfunctional group in Oakland. The Raiders are getting ten and a half here. Uh, I mean, like if the Baltimore, if Baltimore played the Raiders ten times, they only have 170 points. I mean, uh, they, this team can't score. This team's only scored 170 points throughout through ten games. Baltimore's held teams to 181 
points allowed through, through 10 games. I mean, it's uh, looks like a big matchup here. Um, how are we feeling, Scoop? Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. This Oakland offense is a disaster. Their offensive line's not playing well. Um, last week they kind of jumped on Arizona, had 14 early, and, you know, hung in the game. Defense played with some energy and stole one late that, you know, Arizona had no business losing that game. Now, Baltimore, you know, in today's tw- – I was talking about this earlier, is, you know, this, this 2018 passing NFL – of all the playoff contending teams, the team that it doesn't favor the you know the most is probably Baltimore with their offense, and especially if Lamar Jackson's back under center again. Because as you said, you know offensively, you know you know it's just not very smart. Playbooks limited. You know can't you know, the only throws he really completes are on broken plays. Um, you know, but if there is a defense in the NFL that you can just run 27 times and run the read option and just be an athlete, it's Oakland, you know. Oakland. That should have been Cincinnati last week with those linebackers. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll to touch on that real quick. We are a third and one holding call that was completely made up and a Lamar Jackson third quarter interception away from that game being a 20, 24 point easy win. I mean, they gave the Bengals hope in the second half. The Ravens was the right side. You know, the, they got a bad whistle the entire first half. Still, oh, like the, the officiating was terrible in the first. I mean, half. They, they 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 made life difficult on the Ravens' offense three or four different times, and they still led by six. And you know, if Lamar doesn't make the mistake, they most likely run away. But as far as this game's concerned, Baltimore does come in with some momentum off of a you know a big win coming out of their bye week to get things going here. And this Baltimore team continues to play against a really soft schedule. This Oakland team, this Oakland team is just not very good. I think they're gonna kind of feel a little complacent after getting their one win. And I think this Baltimore team, with you know, if Lamar Jackson ran for 200 yards in this game, I wouldn't be surprised. I think they're gonna continue to keep running the ball. This this Oakland team traveling across the country, I expect to see a lethargic defense that doesn't come prepared. And I think that uh, the Ravens, who are one and five against the spread in their last six are going to uh, continue to um, – are, are going to, for a change, actually cover a spread. Well, it looks like good old Gus may be taking over as the uh, the lead back for, for Baltimore in this game. He actually was an undrafted uh, rookie running back. I know a lot of people out there were betting way too much money on props for Collins and, you know, as the running back. But, you know, it looks like this kid is a better better player than Collins. I mean, so, you know, he could get involved. I You know, I think they're going to be able to control the ground – um, game in this this game, um, the Raiders uh, have Doug Martin now uh, dinged up. I expect him to play in this game, but I, there's no possible way I'm laying more than ten points on Baltimore in this game. Yes, they have probably a defense that I expect to be moving forward. I mean, Baltimore's five and five. They're competing with about five or six teams. That's going to come down to the end for the uh, the last. Uh, um, playoff position there, and they're going to be. I think they're right, right there with Indianapolis. But you know, that being said, you know, I mean, Oakland. I watched a lot of that Arizona game last week because that made my card as my last pick. Awful pick, obviously by me. Thank you very much. But the Raiders. I was watching John Gruden. John Gruden is really engaged with coaching. You know, he's not afraid to get in Derek Carr's face these days. And you know, he is the boss. Derek Carr is not the boss of this team. It's John Gruden. So he's going to have players out there that are playing hard underneath his system, doing what they can. And I thought they were going to lay an egg last week, and they didn't. So I think that, you know, it's pro football. I mean, to be laying more than 10 points in a professional football game with a quarterback that, to me, should be trying to, you know, in the offseason, be getting ready to play from the slot or, 
try and do something on special teams because this guy's not a starting quarterback in pro football. I mean, he might have a good week here or there, but, I mean, he's not trustworthy. So, you know, I don't have much of a feel for the 10.5. It won't be on my card either way. Well, I'll tell you this. I think the the reason I will be on Baltimore in this game from a gambling, you know, against the spread perspective is this. Last week, the after the third quarter situation with the turnover, the Bengals – you know, take the opportunity. They take a seven-point lead. It looks like Baltimore's in for a, you know, a, you know, an outright loss. And you know, Lamar Jackson, even with the limited playbook, well, they, know, Cincinnati defense finally worn down a they little bit. Though. down. They, you know, they they ran the ball down their throat. They converted. But I mean, when you're down seven late in the third and you come back, that's a big confidence builder heading into the next week. I think this Oakland defense doesn't show up. I think the Ravens hang, you know, I think this game will be similar to what week one was when Buffalo went to Oakland where they just didn't show up defensively. And I think Oak, I think Baltimore scores above. You mean Buffalo went to Baltimore, not Oakland, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Week when, one, yeah, yeah. Week one, similar situation. I think I think the Ravens roll, score in the 30s, and, uh, you know, something along the lines of 34 to 14. Yeah, that being said, though, Scoop, I mean, the Baltimore doesn't have a lot of weapons. Well, I'll tell you so this. So it's hard to be laying double digits in the NFL with no weapons. I think they're going to be able to run the ball down their throat. But we thought that against Cincinnati. If you're going to defend... It was a better... It was as good of a matchup last week versus de- Cincinnati with de- Virgil and Preston Brown out, and they could not the, continually move the ball the and difference, score points. They couldn't score points, Scoop. Cincinnati played with energy and effort in that game. They really played hard, which is part of the reason why I really like Cleveland more. did last week, too. I agree. I don't think they will in this game. Okay. This is a game where... You know, I, I'm not going to be honest. To, to defend Lamar Jackson on the edges, you need defensive ends. Well, guess who traded their defensive end in the offseason? The Raiders. Yeah, a pretty good one in Khalil Mack. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, let's go to Southern California with the L.A. Chargers. Welcome to two and eight Arizona Cardinals. Chargers now seven and three are coming off a close one against divisional foe in Denver. It's a late field goal with time expiring. L.A. is a twelve and a half point favorite here. Looks like it changed from thirteen and a half. Lip, how are we feeling? Yeah, I think it's going to be eleven and a half, twelve, somewhere in that range. Originally, I was thinking, you know, we have to look at this this Chargers team. Uh, in regard to injuries on the defensive side of the ball. You have what you, you mentioned last week in Perryman out for the season. He's an excellent tackler, linebacker in the middle of the field that does a, a ton. Well, guess what they lost this week for the season? Core Legion. And he's the defensive tackle that basically stuffs everything on the inside. Arizona's a team that's built to run the football. Uh, Josh Rosen last week was absolutely atrocious in this game. If they would have started Sam Bradford in this game, they would have won easily. But they didn't. They had Josh Rosen in this game, and he was shaky to say the least. I was leaning Arizona in this game. I'm going to give a shout out to my brother, who is, um, you know, helps me a little bit with my handicapping. And his blowout of the week is he loves the Chargers in this game. Now, I understand that perspective because I go look at the Chargers. When they play teams that don't know them very well, they play very well, they're dynamic. They have pitches to Eckler and Gordon um, that will be involved. Uh, you know, So I think offensively, I think Arizona's going to have some problems in this game. So he says they're going to win by 30. I mean, that seems like a lot to me. I was leaning Arizona. But because he likes that game, and I trust his, uh, his um, handicapping as well, I'll be staying off of it. Yeah, as I touched on last week, Denzel Perryman, the splits with him off the field and with the run defense are drastic and – with, with the D-tackle out as well, it's just going to get worse. 
and now that David Johnson's starting to get some touches with Byron Leftwich taking over from Mike McCoy, um, I expect Arizona to have some success running the ball. And it's very ironic because a lot of people would think, oh, you know, Joey Bosa's back. This Charger defense is about to take off and, you know, do great things. Well, the thing is, is, you know, you know, if Perryman and Lugent were still in the middle, then they might. But, you know, Bosa's a pass rusher. And when you can run the ball up the middle, now Arizona's offensive line is not very good. They struggle to run the ball in general. But, um, you know, a matchup's a matchup. And with, with the Chargers really struggling to stop the run, and, you know, the Chargers are just really not built to blow teams away. They, they don't run a lot of plays. They play at a slow pace. Um, you know, Arizona's a team that they're playing the long game. They're here for 2019 and above. Chargers are a tough team, though, Scoop, to prepare for. And like I, like I said, because they have multiple, uh, you know, running backs, I, I mentioned, you know, months ago, uh, similar to New Orleans. So they have different backs that can come in and create a lot of matchup problems, especially from uh, personnel not knowing what direction they're going. So when you don't know teams uh, like Arizona does not know the Chargers very well, this is where I think they could explode on offense finally. And Arizona, to me, going into last week, I thought they were a team that wasn't a bottom feeder. They're a bottom feeder. They proved it. When when you got Pat Peterson on Keenan Allen and you got a guy like Chandler Jones, this defense for Arizona is, you know, they have some talent. So they, they're playing hard. I like their head coach. Um, I think they're going to have some success running the ball. Both these teams are off. Uh, so you're looking at Arizona. I played Arizona plus 12 already. Both these teams are off demoralizing losses. So it's from a, from a spot perspective, um, you know, kind of negated. It's even playing field. But, you know, the Chargers, to me, they're just not built to blow teams out. I think this uh, Cardinal team has a lot of hope for the future. Josh Rosen is a guy that, you know, has that locker room feeling good about what's to come with that team. And as long as they can hit these next couple of drafts, Arizona will be back in contention before you know it. But as far as Sunday is concerned, heavy, heavy dose of David Johnson, um, you know, limit the plays. All you got to do is have a couple red zone stops where the Chargers offense really has been struggling. You know, a guy like Hunter Henry, you know, hopefully he's back for the playoff run, but – you know, the second that the two defensive uh, run stoppers for the Chargers get hurt, to be honest, their season's done. And, and that's coming from a guy that bet the Chargers to win the AFC. So, um, you know, sometimes... I agree with you, but it, I look at the game that, you know, from what my brother Billy is, is mentioning and stuff like that. If the Chargers get off of the field on third down, this game is going to get out of hand. If they, if well, Arizona, I'd like Billy to, to give me a call and tell me his handicap because I, I don't see the offensive explosion. Okay, well, he gave me two games last week that we discussed, and they were my only two winners, and everything else was garbage that we discussed during the week. So Good work, Billy. Yep. All right, next, the Mile High City of Denver has a matchup between the Broncos and the Steelers. Uh, the 7-2-1 Steelers are favored by three. Can the 4-6 and six Broncos, being a, a home dog, handle this? Uh, Lip, how we feeling? Well, I played this game early in the week, and I played Denver plus four. And I think that, you know, Denver plus four, that number's completely gone, so don't even look for it. You won't find it. You're going to have a lot of problems finding three and a half, so I think you will be able to see some of that. I expect the line to close three. Remember, it's Thanksgiving weekend, so, you know, Pittsburgh's going to be, you know, at home doing their Thanksgiving stuff, then they're going to head out to the West Coast, and they're going to play at Denver. And to be honest with you, this may sound crazy, but I think Denver is still in the playoff race. I think they have a absolutely ro- are. Yeah, they have a roster. They believe they are. I don't think they're actually good enough, but they believe they. Well, are. they have a roster that can compete. But I mean, you're looking at five and five teams in the Colts and Baltimore. If they get hot, you know, they could they can run the table. They just beat the Chargers at L.A. I mean, so I mean, they they have to have some sort of talent here. 
you know, Pittsburgh got a, you know, a lucky win really against Jacksonville. I, I thought they played terrible. You know, I mean, you know, and it, we've mentioned it. I've mentioned it in, in podcasts and, you know, probably a month ago or whatever, and you were picking on me for the fact that I said that James Conner's not a number one running back. He's not a number one running back. At the end of the game, he dropped two walk-in touchdowns that were thrown right to him. Le'Veon Bell would be dancing backwards with his eyes closed, catching that ball and strutting into the end zone. You've got James Conner, who's starting to prove that he's a good running back behind an excellent offensive line. He's not a number one running back, and Pittsburgh has given up a chance to win the Super Bowl by not signing Bell this year. Now, you look at Denver, they brought in Cortland Sutton. He made a huge catch down the middle of the field last week to basically get them in field goal range to have their kicker finally make a field goal at the end of the game instead of lose it on the game that I was on. And, you know, you bring back Royce, or, or I mean uh, Freeman in this game, their, their rookie running back who's been a huge disappointment. He's a nice, you know, um, to get back in the mix. He's obviously not the number one. Lindsey's a real problem. I mean, he's a quick back that's a fresh you know, rookie that's running around on the field and making plays. He's also picking up blocks. He's doing a lot of the things necessary involved in an offense for an offense to be able to move the ball. I'm always concerned about the quarterback position in Denver because I think he's subpar, but I think he's going to be all right in this game. And you're giving me more than a field goal at home on a team that's traveling during a tough week, and you have Von Miller in this game. I I, I like Denver in this game. Yeah, no, to, the, to touch on the James Conner thing, yeah, so before the, the, the news was announced that Bell would not come back, you know, Conner's playing with that chip on his shoulder, I got to prove myself to the team, well, all of a sudden Bell doesn't sign, and now Conner's like, okay, I'm the guy, it's the rest of the season, something I've touched on is these older running backs kind of wear down the second half of the season, well, the other thing is these rookie running backs that have never been through the gauntlet that is the NFL schedule, Good point. They they kind of fall off as well, so with Conner, um, you know, I was liking what I was seeing from him. His production per carry was better than Le'Veon's the first eight, nine weeks, but I do expect him to tail off a little bit. I think he's playing with a little bit more nerves than he did early in the season because Bell didn't sign, and that's not good for this No, he doesn't have the team. ability that Bell does. He and doesn't. I mean, I mean, there's probably three running backs in the NFL that have the ability Bell does, but Connor, um, I think he, for the first time this season, looked yeah. nervous last week. Now, to touch on this Denver team. So last week, it's 19-7, late in the third. The game looks like it's a disaster. And they were for, down double digits in that game versus the Chargers, too. Denver. That's what I'm getting at. Yes. Yeah. So they're down 19-7, late. And Rivers makes a bonehead throw right to Von Miller, and he runs it back. And, you know, very similar to the Rams cover, where, you know, when I, t- I had the, both situations. I had the Rams plus seven against the Chargers and plus seven and a half against the Rams, I think it was. And in both games, they looked lifeless and like they had no shot at covering. And then just weird fluke play turnovers um, in both games turned the tide. And because of that, um, got two cheap covers in both games where it didn't maybe quite deserve it. Now, this Denver team, they're going to have to move the ball on offense because this Pittsburgh team in 2018 in a passing league is as dangerous as any. And this pit, this Denver team is dealing with offensive line injuries. They have their three best offensive linemen not playing. Um, their home record against the spread is only one three and one. And you know the last time Pittsburgh uh, went to Denver, I believe, was the playoff loss against Tebow. So they have a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth in this in this stadium. Don't know how they'll quite react because of that. In this Denver team, they're now four and one against the spread. Their last five, and this comes after a two fourteen and one against the spread run, which is almost absurd and, and very hard to do in the NFL. 
but that's just how it is. You know, you buy low at the 214-1, and, and you start to cover a little bit. Now, I played Denver with you at plus 4.5. There's a chance I buy back at the 3 for, you know, maybe 60, Denver plus 60, 4 60, we got. We missed the 4 and four. yeah. I might buy back a little bit on the 3 with Pittsburgh and, and, and hope it lands 3 or 4. You know, this Denver team, you know, with Keenum not playing very well and this offensive line banged up, you know, this will come down to the situation. But I think the key to this NFL Week 12 is – the variable of Thanksgiving, travel, and if you exploit those two things, um, where these teams that are in bad spots because of the holidays and the travel, I think you make money this weekend, and Denver fits that mold. So, you know, I think Denver's the right side if you're going to play the game. But, you know, because of the offensive line injuries and because of the, the situation with uh, um, the Denver offensive line, I'm, I'm not too giddy about it. But, you know, Marcus Gilbert, right tackle for the Pittsburgh, he missed last week. If he's out again... You know, this could be a field day for Von Miller. And this Denver defense has quietly became one of the best in the NFL against the pass. So if they can continue that, um, Bradley Roby's questionable the corner. If he does play, that'll be a big get back. But, yeah, Denver's the right side if you're going to yeah, Absolutely, it's the right side. I'm going to tell you why. Because last week or earlier we mentioned Chicago coming off of a gigantic, huge win. We'll see what happens with them on Thanksgiving. You know, that's a gigantic win for them. Well, don't underestimate Pittsburgh's win coming back versus Jacksonville. They spent yeah. a lot of – that's an emotional high for them. Yes. So there's no way for 60 minutes in Denver – Playing in the gonna, altitude, exactly. flat spot. They're not going to have that that type of mentality for 60 minutes in a game like that. It's going to be the difference. You're getting more than a field goal on a team that I think is underrated. I think Denver is underrated. They play in a very difficult division outside of Oakland. And I think that Denver probably wins this game outright, but I'm taking more than a field well, goal. Definite it upgrade, should be on my card. Definite, up, definite upgrade with Cortland Sutton over Demarius Thomas. And uh, yeah, he had one target last week for yeah, Houston. No, get him more involved, but um, yeah, and and the, the tight end too. Continue to move him. He's down the middle of the field. He'll be an option. I mean, they're not going. What are they going to have Watt run with him? No way. I like Denver here. The only thing for Pittsburgh is they could potentially be fighting for that home field in the AFC, and they could come out and it's a tough spot. Get it done, that but, emotional high, but, I don't yeah. think they cover the number. No way. Terrible spot for Pittsburgh. Cool. As we continue, we'll do a battle of the 500 club. Brings us two five and five teams in the Miami Dolphins and the Andrew Luck led Indianapolis Colts, who are on a four game win streak, putting up some big numbers. India is an eight point favorite at home. Uh, Tannehill is looking like he's going to return in this game as well. Scoop, uh, how we feeling? Yeah, no, I'm glad you pointed out their records because this is interesting in that both these teams are 5-5, five and five, but coming into this game in completely different situations. You know, Miami struggling, 2-5 and five against the number that last seven. Indy 3-1 and one coming off of the beatdown over the Titans, feeling like they're, you know, everyone, Indy's everybody in the media's favorite. Oh, they're going to be a playoff team now. And I think Andrew Luck is playing the best football of his career, finally Got some offensive line protection, playing with two nice tight ends. T.Y. Hilton is in the offense is dangerous. I expect them to drop mid-30s to, to low-40s in this game. This Miami team coming off the bye, we'll see how the injury report cracks out, see if they get some pieces back on that defensive line to stop the run a little bit. But they, you know, defensively aren't very good. Expect them to refocus and, and, and regroup and, you know, play a little bit better collectively as a team after that uh, Green Bay performance. But, you know, getting Ryan Tannehill back over Brock Osweiler is a huge upgrade. The last 13 games Ryan Tannehill started, he's 10-3. and three. So very quietly, he's been a winner in this league without really much notoriety. But to me, this indie team, defensively, they just played the best game they've played all season by a mile. Can they keep up the same defensive intensity two weeks in a row? I'm not sure. I expect them to have a drop-off. 
I think Miami gets to 20, 24 in this game. I think the Colts get to mid-30s, 40s, like I said. I'm on over 50 and a half in this game. I think this game sails over the total um, from a against the spread perspective. I don't know if Indy's defense is good enough to lay more than a touchdown, but if I'm going to play the game, I'm on Indy. Um, but to me, this is a shootout. Well, there's a couple things that I'm going to be playing in this game for sure. I already laid <clears throat> nine minus, I think, 07 or something like that, and they, they announced that uh, the quarterback was – and I think that's what it's going to be on the card, nine, nine and a half. We're not sure of that yet. So um, I did play the over with you. I agree with you on that 100%. Miami's proven that their defense is getting absolutely steamrolled the last couple of times they've stepped onto the field. So I expect them to give up a ton of, ton of points, a ton of uh, yards, anything that you want to take in that regard. If this line d- dips below nine, uh, 9 and down to 8.5, 100%, you must tease Indianapolis. Um, you did not mention the fact that Andrew Luck has thrown three touchdowns or more in seven straight games. Andrew Luck is not a star. Andrew Luck is a superstar in this league. Andrew Luck is hands down a top three, four quarterback in the game. The only quarterback to me in pro football playing better than Andrew Luck right now is Drew Brees. 25 touchdowns, one interception speaks for itself. Patrick Mahomes played excellent on uh, you know, the, the Monday night game, but he makes mistakes. Aaron Rodgers is not the type of the same type of player that he's been in the past. He doesn't have the weapons, but he's not the one number one quarterback in the league anymore. Andrew Luck is a machine. They have a running game. They have multiple tight ends that produce. They have T.Y. Hilton that is a quiet superstar in this league. Last week against Tennessee, I was worried about the defense stepping up in this game. They did step up in this game. Miami may score in this game. You might be right. But there's absolutely no way that this game is going to be competitive to me in this game. I think the Colts are a machine on offense. I think they put up at least 40, and I think they cover the number. I'm considering this game for my card. I'm going to have to look into some injuries on Miami with Tunsil and some other things that they have on the back end as well, too. You didn't mention the fact that Devontae Parker is is a big question mark in this game, and you know they need him in this game to compete against Indianapolis. You say that there's a big, uh, you know, upgrade with Tannehill that remains to be seen. Miami will probably put some points up, but the Colts are going to put up a ton. All right, cool. Moving on. Uh, we got Sunday Night Football. We have a big game for Minnesota after coming off a division loss to Chicago. The 4-5-1 Vikings host the 5-4-1 Green Bay Packers. Minnesota's laying three and a half in this one. These teams... These teams' ties on the record came against each other earlier in the season. Graham to play with a broken thumb. He injured in the loss last week to Seattle. Packers are winless on the road. Anthony Barr looking to return. And uh, notice that Anthony Harris is uh, ranked as one of the top safeties, if not the top safety in the NFL. The defense is good. Uh, Lip, how are we feeling on this one? Well, you mentioned the line's going to be three and a half in this game. I'm not sure. We'll have to wait t- uh, for tomorrow to come out. Uh, could be three. If it's three, I'm certainly considering Minnesota. You watched the Sunday or the game, yeah, excuse me, the Sunday night game versus Chicago. And I'm not going to tell Mike Zimmer how to coach. He's a good coach in this league. But listen to me. You do not play Minnesota's offense as a slow down type of let's grind it out and get Delvin Cook involved type of things. Absolutely not. Spread people out with the weapons that you have. Stefan, you know, Diggs was absolutely unstoppable in the second half of that game. Uh, you know, Thielen is leading the league in, I think, yards and in, in whatever. I mean, he's, he's you know, 
unstoppable when he gets going. Delvin Cook should be in the passing game. Mix him in with the run. Do what you need to do in regards to those types of things. And get the offense going. I mean, you've got to get them out there moving the ball. They have the weapons. Kirk Cousins, it's going to be a primetime game again, which makes me nervous in that regard. He's, he's an average quarterback, it looks like, in this league that's overpaid. But he's on a very good you know, team that I think that can bounce back. They got off to a really bad start against Chicago. All credit to them. They were pumped up. Khalil Mack was a lot to deal with in that game, and it was just too much to overcome. Green Bay, on the other hand, as you mentioned, uh, um, they cannot win on the road. And I go back to the fact that I do think that Green Bay has a running game now with Aaron Jones. I think that he's he's playing good football. But now you have the tight end, and Jimmy Graham, that's going to try and play with a broken thumb. I don't understand that at all, but, I mean, whatever. They don't have a lot of other options. You know, Cobb with, you know, his injuries. You have Geronimo Ellison with his injuries. You know, you have, you know, a, you know Adams, a, a you know, super not a superstar, but a very good number one wide receiver, and that's about it. I mean, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers is not a top one, two, three quarterback in the league to me anymore. I mean, he's, you know, he can make a lot of throws and do a lot of things, but he's not a top quarterback. They don't have the weapons on offense to compete in this game. I think Minnesota's the side. Wait, who's not a top quarterback? I don't think Aaron Rodgers is a top one, two, or three, I said. I think he's a top quarterback, but not one, two, or three. There's a lot of guys I would take over him. I'm glad you said that because the NFL, we're judging these quarterbacks based on, you know, we're critiquing them as individuals when really, you know, 75% of being a quarterback is the infrastructure around you. Who's your coach? What's the play calling like? It's offensive line like weapons. And Aaron Rodgers has just been put at a disadvantage his entire career. And because of that, you know, it's tough to look at this Green Bay team and have much confidence about what they can do because of the play calling being as bad as it is. Um, we just saw on Monday night the Rams and Chiefs put on an offensive play calling uh, display, and, and what you see is, you know, you know, points. Because when when you're, you know, not necessarily running the ball to set up the pass, and, you know, the Packers run a high school offense. You know, you saw it last year with Brent Hundley when he came in for Aaron Rodgers. You know, it was just an absolute disaster. Rodgers been bailing out McCarthy for years, and, uh, you know, it's a serious issue. Now, that injury, you know, that Brent Hundley quarterback experience last year, the reason that it happened was because of what happened to Aaron Rodgers when he played at Minnesota a season ago. And because of that, it's setting up a little bit of a revenge situation for him. This is his first trip to Minnesota since the collarbone broke. And I think that we're going to see him – I mean, this is an all-in kitchen sink game for both teams. Um, both teams have been kind of struggling. Minnesota three two and one against the number of the last six. Green Bay two three and one, but for like you know where Chicago is in the division with a one and a half game lead, neither of these teams can really afford to lose in this game. I think game. there's a lot of home field advantage in this game. Yeah, no, Green, Minnesota one of the best home field advantages in the entire NFL. And this Green Bay secondary, you know, outside of Jair Alexander, they're banged up. Um, Kevin King, um, Bryce the safety, you know, we'll see how the, the injury news, uh, you know, falls out, but. This Green Bay team, um, they're in an all-in game. But, you know, if you're going to take the game, uh, Minnesota's the right side. This is a must-win game. They go at New England next week. Cannot afford to lose this game. I think that New Eng- that Minnesota does get things back on track in this game. Steph Diggs will continue to uh, be the dominant receiver that he is, him and Thielen. Um, that, to me, is really the difference in this game. Green Bay has one receiver and uh, – yeah, even Treadwell, uh, even Treadwell, nice, even Treadwell's starting no, to. Minnesota just has better weapons, yeah. better play calling. And, Kyle Rudolph, you know, that you know, Dalvin your Cook's family back. knows. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he should be involved here. You know, I, I like Minnesota in this spot, but that being said, I did like them last week against Chicago. But we'll have to wait and see. Agree.
All right, moving on. Uh, we have uh, Monday Night Football. We have a matchup between a five and five team in Tennessee, going to face a scrappy seven and three Texas team. Um, is there a line out for this one yet? Let's see. There's not, but it's probably going to be around five. I would say five is probably the right number. All right, he, okay. Houston's on a on a seven game win streak. Um, I think they want to get Demarius Thomas more involved. As what three three catches so far for 60, 61 yards and uh, shut out in his last last game. I mean. How do you feel about this one, Scoop? Yeah, with Mariota re-damaging the nerve on his throwing arm, uh, you know, very, very tough to handicap this game, not knowing his status. Um, Houston, they now won seven in a row. Deshaun Watson, he's just a flat-out winner. He guy loves the bright lights. He's in prime time. I expect him to play well. Um, this Houston offense without Will Fuller, not the same. Um, both starting guards for Houston are questionable in this game. They could potentially get back uh, their middle linebacker, uh, Cunningham, and their corner, Colvin. Both were supposed to play last week and did not. Scared me a little bit with the uh, Houston money line last week, but they were still able to find a way because... Not money line. You laid a, a future pick that no yeah. one in the, the world had. That's why you won that. Absolutely. Good work, Mr. Lipsers. Um, but, yeah, Sean Watson... You know, the guy just wins football games, and you know, with Tennessee having these this this issue, in in Tennessee, from a spot perspective, after getting your face beat in like they just did last week, I don't know how much you know. Talking about the mental state of you know these golfers and in, in exploiting that, I don't know how much confidence Tennessee has coming in this game. Last time the public saw Tennessee in prime time was against Dallas with the 14 point road win, so I could see potentially the public gravitating towards the six points with Tennessee here. I think Houston's the right side but it'll ultimately come down to the injury report as most NFL games do. Yeah, I disagree with you. I, I think, you know, last week I gave all this respect to uh, Tennessee. You know, it, it, I must have had my, my head examined there. I mean, saying they were a good team or whatever. That being said, if Mariota plays in this game, I definitely favor taking the points in this game. Houston goes into a perfect spot last week off of a bye week going up against a team that is absolutely destroyed with injuries. And they barely hung on on the last play of the game to beat Washington. Okay, I think at this point, Washington or the Titans, who's a better team, I think the Titans are a better team. The Titans have proved they can be in football games. The Titans have you know, won some games at Dallas. The Titans have been competitive in you know, almost all of their games, and they're still in the playoff hunt. They're 5-5. Five and five. Houston is 7-3. and three. They rattle off more games than I think anybody in the NFL except for New Orleans, very quietly. And I do agree with you on the fact that Deshaun Watson is healthy and he is a gamer. But outside of DeAndre Hopkins, I don't see a lot of weapons on this team. So to be laying close to a touchdown in this game just, to me, seems outrageous. I mean, this is a game that I'm looking for what points. What if Lane Gabbert plays quarterback? Well, well, like I said, it's going to come down to Mariota, and, and I probably won't even know if he's playing until Saturday uh, at, late at night or whatever, or even Sunday morning. So I'm not going to be able to even you know put it on my card at that point. But Blaine Gabbert, as you mentioned, you know looked atrocious, but he didn't have any reps. You know, if he gets some reps, I'm sure he'll be slightly better, you know, ready for the game or whatever against uh, Houston. But it's a Monday night game. It scares me a little bit. It should be a raucous environment. That's why I think the the line is going to be, you know, up there, and I think they'll get the support. But I, I just think it's too many points yeah, with I, with Mariota. I'll tell you this. The Sunday night, Monday night game is not very excited to bet either of them from a, 
you know, exploiting something. I like I like Minnesota this, minus three. But this Sunday card, there's some opportunities. All right, fellas, good conversation. Um, why don't we go ahead and give the folks our best bets of the week? Uh, I'm I'm gonna uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Liz. You want me to go first? I gave it out earlier. Uh, you know, and uh, I'm trying to to pull off what it, what was like, what I said again. Yeah, it's kind of sleeping. It's a little bit late here at night. Um, but Carolina. I mean, Carolina at home. If you can get minus three, even minus three and a half, it'll scare people away from the contest card. It's going to be on my card no matter what. Great spot for them at home. Seattle's a fraud. They'll prove it. Take Carolina. Uh, my best bet of the week is going to be the G-Men. I'm going to roll with the Giants if it closes at 6. I like that. Uh, I like that play. I just feel they're a better team, more talent, and uh, on the right track right now, it looks like. I'm going to give you one side, one total from, from a side perspective. Got to roll with my boys, the Cleveland Browns, a team that's treated me so well here the last two years. You know, they don't owe me any money or anything, but – from a total perspective, I'm going to go with the under Jacksonville Buffalo. Um, I'll give you a total. I'm going to take over Indianapolis. Yeah, I've no, already right. bet it, and I'm going to give yeah. you a total. Play that over in Indianapolis as well. Yep, that, that was the other one I was going to touch on. So over Miami Indy, under Jacksonville Buffalo, um, Cleveland Browns money line and spread. Let's run pure. And the Giants that, uh, that you like, and I like uh, Carolina. We all like the same teams this week. Right. Four and one at the worst for me. I, I'm telling you, I'm coming after your ass. I like it, man. Let's touch some numbers. Good conversation. Check back in with us next week. Uh, again, it's been a pleasure. Peace.